Today I want to talk about being tired. And I've entitled my sermon, I am tired and I need and in need of a little extra supply. You know, Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 1, a very short statement he made in verse 19. But to be able to understand all of it, I'm going to ask us to read from verse 12. Philippians chapter 1, verse 12 to verse 19. I'm tired and in need of a little extra supply. Probably that's how you feel, you know. This has been long. I mean, we've been sanitizing, wearing masks, social distancing. We were thinking this will come to an end. Numbers go down. The, the level of the lockdown gets adjusted. We go to level one or level two, level three, which we went to. Things seem better. We go back. It's like life is back to normal. All of a sudden, we get another resurgence, another strand that comes through. We're now back to adjusted level three. Certain things are taken away. We can go to church anymore. We can do this. And, and you can get tired. And this is what happens. And this is the nature of things that we can even get tired. And so in Philippians 1 from verse 12, I hope you have found it, and I'm reading the NIV Bible. It reads as follows. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God most courageously and fearlessly. It is true that some preach out of envy and rivalry, but others preach out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me was I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true motives, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice, for I know, watch this, our main verse, I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me, will turn out for my deliverance. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. You know, this, the context of this passage is that Paul was imprisoned in Philippi uh, for, for, for preaching the gospel. Rather, Paul writes to the Christians in Philippi and is telling them that he is preaching the gospel. We note that he talks about his own experiences to the believers in Philippi, and he really wanted them to know something. Now, Paul is saying, even if I'm in bondage, I'm not curtailed. Even if I'm in bondage, I, I'm not, I haven't stopped my mission, even though there's a lot of hurdles in my way. And I mean, if you look at his life, right through Paul experienced so much problems and so much opposition. And he says, I am still advancing the gospel. He says, even though I'm in prison, I'm still preaching the gospel. And even if I'm under chains, the whole palace guard, as well as others, are hearing about the gospel. The reason for that is because in these days when someone was in prison, uh, the Roman soldiers would come and guard these people. 
We know at this time where Paul was in prison, he resided in his own facility. You see that in Acts chapter 28, verse 30. He was guarded by these soldiers all the time. We are told that the custom in these days was for a prisoner to be chained to the wrist of a soldier. This means that Paul not only preached the gospel to the people in Rome who were in other places, but everybody in Rome, from people who were out on the streets, people in the synagogues, and even people who were in the palace and even in prison had heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's known that Paul, of course, was not in prison because he was a lawbreaker, but he was in prison because he was preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. So in an effort for them to silence this truth, the authorities had Paul incarcerated and they planned, they thought that their plan will work. But their plan didn't work. Even in incarceration, Paul had even more effect. It encouraged him to still continue preaching the gospel. And the result of that was that when the other people heard about it, even those who were reluctant about speaking for Christ, they also began to speak. And when we read, we know that there was a large number of believers who became bold for Christ when they saw how Paul was spreading the gospel in spite of these headlines. And the positive response that Paul received in the face of this opposition caused him to even speak more courageously. He became even more fearless for Christ. The confinement he had, it didn't actually in any way limit him from preaching the gospel. And he preached so hard that even the people who were outside the prison, they were inspired by him. And the people were emboldened to speak. But of the people who spoke, there were two types who spoke, Paul said. Some of them preached the gospel out of envy and rivalry. They thought by preaching the gospel and doing this, it would bring more problems to Paul in prison. But there are those who preach the gospel out of the love of God, knowing that Paul was in chains because of the defense of the gospel. The, preach that, the, the group that preached Christ out of envy and rivalry had selfish ambitions and selfish motive. The other group instead showed love. The one group wanted to stir up trouble for Paul whilst in bondage. The other group wanted to spread the message of the gospel. But listen to what Paul says. Paul says, it doesn't matter. Whatever motive, oxalayo, the gospel is being preached. He says, I'm rejoicing in my heart because it, whether it's a good motive or a wrong motive, the content of what is preached is the same. Both groups are preaching that gospel and I'm rejoicing in that. And he says, I'm not rejoicing because there are factions among the members of the body of Christ. I'm not rejoicing because they have brought me grief. Instead, I'm rejoicing because they've brought joy to me by preaching the gospel. And then he says something in verse 19, that as a man of conviction, I share this assurance that these chains of mine, these fetters of mine will eventually result in my deliverance. The King James uses the word salvation. Paul says, even if I'm in chains, he says, I want you to know that it will result in my deliverance. He says, through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit or the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my, one translation says salvation, one translation says for my 
deliverance. That word deliverance there is often used to refer to salvation or being born again. But this, in this instance, Paul is saying there's a future vindication that is coming for me. Even if I'm in prison, there's a future vindication. It's highly unlikely when he was saying this, he was thinking of being released from prison because you can note he was aware he was going to die. But he is saying, I have an assurance and I'm rested because of the prayers of the saints that even if I feel tired and I feel like giving up, because of the prayers of the saints, God will give a supply of the Holy Spirit. And it is this word supply and the word prayer that I want to talk about. Paul is saying, I know I can count on you as Philippian believers that not only will you pray for me, but your prayers for me will result in the supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ. He's saying, instead of me giving up because I've been battling throughout my ministry, I've been going through challenges, God will supply. You know, when you look at the journey of Paul in ministry, his journey was really characterized by trouble and challenge. This state continued to trouble him throughout his ministry. But it's very funny that even if that happened, Paul didn't allow that to affect his momentum when it came to preaching the gospel. All of this had the potential to affect him to the point of total despair and despondency and cause him to finally give up on his mission. But it appears as though regardless of how low Paul would go, how much challenges would come his way, how hard the journey was, Paul had the fortitude, he had the determination to keep going strong. Even to a point where even when everybody else could barely take one more step, Paul kept going on. And the question is, how did he do it? How did he do it? Here we are, 311 days under lockdown. Huh? Just like Paul continued with the challenges in life, we've had our own share of challenges. We've had trouble, we've had pain. In the past, over the past months, we've lost loved ones. We've lost jobs, we have lost livelihood, we have isolated, we've quarantined, we've gotten hospitalized, all kinds of things have happened. We've had to change this, adjust that, and it looks like the trouble just never comes to an end. And this is what Paul was going through. It seemed like there's no time of day where things will get better. But he said, in spite of that, because of your prayers and because of the supply of the Spirit through Jesus Christ, I will be able to still go on anyhow. And so it does happen to us when we find ourselves in a prolonged and unending battle, we end up being tired, we end up being fatigued. Maybe you're feeling tired. Maybe you're feeling fatigued. Maybe you feel like this thing will never come to an end. And maybe because of the fatigue, and being tired, you've already felt like maybe it's not worth sanitizing. Maybe it's not worth wearing a mask. Maybe it's not worth social distancing. Maybe it's not worth, uh, it's not worth you taking all the precautions. But I'm here to tell you, it's in the nature of a long, drawn-out battle that we do get tired. We do get fatigued. Let me give you an example. King David was a mighty warrior, an incredible warrior, mightily anointed by God. And when you read 
in the book of Samuel, you'll note that David was engaged in a number of battles. And he, the majority of this battle, he became victorious. He achieved his success. And one of the expressions that seems to be there in the book of Samuel is like the one I want to read in 1 Samuel 19 verse 8. Listen what it says. It says, now once again there was war. Once again, there was what happened again. So David went up to fight the Philistines. He defeated them thoroughly and they ran away from him. Once again, I mean, it's like this thing is not going to end. All right. Just after one war ends, another one begins. And so these repeated and prolonged battles started to take their toll on him. Note in 2 Samuel 21 verse 15, if you can open that. 2 Samuel 21 verse 15. The New King James reads, when the Philistines were at war again with Israel, when they were at war again with Israel, David and his servants with him went down and fought against the Philistines. Now watch the last part. And David grew tired. This was a mighty man of war. This was a warrior. This is a man who won at his battles, but because of the repeated battles, having to go in again and again and fight, he finally got tired. And so this happens to us when we are battling something and we're dealing with something and it looks like the end is not in line, we do get tired. We read also about Gideon, who was a judge of Israel, who also had to deal with this phenomenon of being tired. Because also he was engaged in a long drawn out battles. But interesting enough, he found a way that even when he was tired, he didn't take his eyes off the battle. In Judges chapter 8 verse 4, in the NIV it says about him, Gideon and his 300 men exhausted yet keeping up the pursuit came to Jordan and crossed. He was tired, but he kept the pursuit. The Living Bible says, tired, but still chasing the enemy. Gideon got tired, but he kept on fighting. So Paul's secret, therefore, is continuing to fight. This is what Paul is saying. In spite of the continued attacks against me, this will still turn to my salvation. Paul is giving us an insight into the secret of the source of his power. He says there are two things. In spite of me being imprisoned, I'm aware that there is no hindering of the preaching of the gospel. And on the other hand, I'm aware that it is, uh, I am cutting a pioneering road for the advancement of the gospel. And so I'm not going to give up because my holding on and my moving on will pave a way for others. And there are two things that are keeping me on. Number one, your prayers. Number two, the supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ. Let's talk about the prayers. We have learned during this lockdown, as we have handled together at five o'clock in the morning, as we have done the 24-7 prayers, as we have had the church unite in prayer, as we have all gathered together in our prayer groups and we had the chain prayers, we have learned what prayer can do. We have found out that there is a power and there's an anointing that is there when we get down on our knees and we begin to pray. We've realized that it is through the power of prayer. It is through the power of getting down on our knees where we can call upon God. 
We've learned about the different kinds of prayers, the prayers of agreement, the prayer of binding and loosing, the prayer of worship, the prayer of intercession, the prayer of casting your cares. We've learned about the prayer of changing things. We've learned about all kinds of prayers. And we've learned that as we come into this time of prayer, this can be an avenue that keeps us going. This is what I want to say to you. Don't ever stop praying. Don't ever cancel your discipline of prayer. Never at any point get to a point where you are not praying at all. Learn to pray. Learn to pray more. Learn on prayer. Get teachings on prayer. Inform yourself in prayer. Read books. Listen to sermons. Study the Bible. Get on your knees. Develop the habit of praying. You know why? It is when we pray like that, that we're able to go through. I'm not talking about the prayers of despondency. I'm not talking about we pray because, you know, we've come to the end of the road. You know, we've tried everything else. And now as a last resort, Rezama Mudim. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about where we pray intentionally, where we pray as a matter of choice, where we pray strategically, when we pray as a, as a discipline in our lives, because we understand that through the power of prayer, we're able to get through. Paul says, your prayers for me. This is where we can learn to lift one another up in prayer. And this is why last week I did say to you, have a list of people that you're praying for. I have that list. I pray for people and I can tell you, I've been ticking down. I've been ticking the people who are getting out of hospital, getting out of quarantine, people coming out of isolation. I'm ticking the boxes and I can... I can reliably tell you that of the many people, it's almost more than a 99 point something percent success rate where we see as we pray for people, pray for others, pray for one another, pray for your family, pray for yourself, marinate yourself, saturate yourself in the spirit of prayer, pray in the Holy Ghost, take hours and hours praying in the Holy Ghost, praying in the spirit, praying in other tongues. Paul says, Even if I am at that point where I want to give up, what makes me to have that last push is that you're holding me up in prayer. The second thing that I want us to spend a little bit of more time on, Paul says, the reason I'm going on, the reason I'm not giving up is because through your prayers, God supplies the spirit of Jesus Christ. Now, this word supply is a very, very interesting word. And really, when you read in the context and in the original language, it looks like a strange choice of words. How Paul can choose this word supply. Now, in English, you know, it makes sense. But when we go to the actual root of this word, this word in its original meaning, when it was used, it literally means on behalf of the choir. Now you wonder, man, what does the choir have to do with Paul, you know, winning the war on behalf of the choir? Well, let me give you the context. You see, thousands of years ago in in classical Greece, like we have today, you know, a huge choral and, and, and dramatic company of people will practice endlessly for, 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 for huge and, and important theatrical performances like it was today you'd have these huge groups of artists who would come together and they would practice and practice and practice because they wanted to tour the world and and give this 
performances in theater. Theater was a big thing those days. Big stages were a huge things in those days. And so after they had put in a great amount of time, after they had put in a great amount of effort and, and energy and practice, and those of you who are artists, you know what it means, right? To have to put up a state-of-the-art performance. You know the hours that it takes just to be able to have everything right. And after doing all of that, finally, this huge company of artists would be ready to go on a road show. They would be ready to go out. But then one major problem at that time just arose. Unfortunately, they would run out of money. And you can think about it. The people who had given their lives for the production, people who had committed all their time, talents, resources in making sure that this performance succeed, just when they're about to get on stage and to showcase their talent, money runs out. And because of running out of finances, it meant the show is over. You know, it's almost like what we're talking about. We've been putting up the fight for all these years, putting up the fight all these months. Instead of winning, we lose. And it looks like the show is over, it's finished. It's the end of their dream. But then, at that exact moment, a wealthy person would hear about their dilemma. And that wealthy person would come to the aid of them in their crisis. And that wealthy person would step into the middle of the situation and make a huge financial contribution on behalf of the choir. That's the word supply. So this wealthy person would supply. He would make a contribution on behalf of the choir. This contribution supplied all that they needed to get back into business again. So this timely intervention made them to pick up where they left off. In fact, the gift that was given was so enormous that it was more than they needed or more than they knew how to spend. The contribution was so excessively large and abundant. It was overflowing and overwhelming. And this is what Paul is saying. Just at that time, when I was about to give up, because of your praying, because of your intercession, God came in in the midst of time. And what God did was he came and supplied on behalf of the choir. This is what God wants to do in your life today. This is what God wants to do in my life today. He wants to give a supply. Why? Because our God is a God who steps in in the nick of time. He's not a God who is aloof. He's not a God who stands away. He is a God who steps in in the nick of time. He's a God who's always there. So Paul says, God came in and he supplied and contributed the spirit of Jesus Christ. In other words, it is the power of God that stepped in that carried me. It is the power of God that helped me to move on. So in other words, when you run out of steam, when you've given your best effort and you don't feel like that you have an ounce of energy left to give, when it looks like the resources you had are all drained and you are unable to take another step, that is the moment where Jesus Christ comes to our aid. See, God is like that. He comes to our aid 
in the nick of time. Do you remember the three Hebrew children who they had stood their ground on God's word? And in standing their ground on God's word, they had said, we're not going to compromise God's word. We're going to stand on God's word. We're going to do what the word of God says. Even if it's a time of crisis, I'm not going to change what I believe. I'm not going to resort to other gods. I'm going to, not going to try and do things that I am not familiar with. These three Hebrew boys said, even if you put pressure on us, even if we are threatened to be thrown in the fire, even if we are threatened that the fire will be heated seven times stronger, we are not going to go back. We are going to keep on doing what we have been used to doing. You know, sometimes when we come under pressure, we may even compromise our faith and, and do other things and resort to other things. And these three Hebrew boys said, no matter what comes, let it come. We will face it because God is not going to leave us. God is not going to forsake us. God will always come with us right in the dick of time. Well, you know the story. When these three Hebrew boys were taken and thrown into the fiery furnace, because they wouldn't compromise. Right at that time, as they landed in the midst of the fiery furnace, the fourth man came up. The fourth man was with them in the midst of the fiery furnace. Note, the fourth man wasn't there as long as they hadn't made full commitment. The fourth man wasn't there as long as they were still standing on the outside looking in. The fourth man was there when they went in fully. He was there in the nick of time. He was there at the right time to give a supply, to give them an encouragement, to be with them and to help them to go to the other side. I'm here to tell you, the fourth man in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ wants to see you through this time. This is not time for you to give up. This is not time for you to throw in the towel. This is not time for you to think that all your efforts don't matter. All your praying doesn't matter. All your intercession doesn't matter before God. God is a God who comes in to give the supply. The very Paul who's talking about God giving the supply. I believe he learned from his previous experiences when he went through trouble. We read in 2 Corinthians 12 how Paul was attacked in his words, by a thorn in his flesh. And this thorn in the flesh, he describes, he says, a messenger of the devil was sent to buffet me. The word buffet means to beat me up, to hit me like with fists, to really get me down. He says it was a messenger of the devil that came and beat me up. He said, even if I've been preaching and the only reason I'm beaten up is because I'm preaching the gospel. He says, it's because of the abundance of revelation. I haven't done anything wrong. All I've done is to try to do what is right. But the messenger of the devil is coming to buffet me. And Paul says in verse 8 of 2 Corinthians 12, 8, he said, three different times I begged the Lord to take it away from me. But each time the Lord said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. And Paul says, so now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. Verse 10, he says, that is why I take pleasure in my weaknesses, in the insults, in the hardships, in the persecutions, in the troubles that I suffer for Christ. Why, Paul? 
For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. I tell you, when we've come to that time where we are just about to fall over, then the supply of Jesus Christ kicks in and God lifts us up at that time. It's important for you, my dear friend, to know that this is not time for you to give up. This is time for you. In these moments of trial, when you're about to give up, it's important for you to go into this space where you know that God can supply. Paul says, through the prayers, and those prayers activated the supplies. You see, it is in these times of feeling tired, where it seems like the battle is not ending, where we choose to spend time in the presence of God through prayer, so that the praying can release the supply. See, it is the praying that releases, that disengages the supply. It is the praying that initiates the supply. It is the praying that releases the supply. You see, in Isaiah 40, God talks to Isaiah and he says to him in verse 29, it's a prophecy that Isaiah gives. This is what he says about God. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might, he increases strength. He says, even the youths shall faint and the weary and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. Note the key. The key is to wait upon the Lord. That word wait literally means to bind together, perhaps by twisting. It means to collect. Figuratively, it means to tarry, to wait, to look upon. In other words, we learn from this. There is something supernatural that happens as we come into the presence of God in prayer. In that presence, we get intertwined with the Lord. We get twisted around the Lord so that our weakness, he absorbs. Our doubt, he absorbs. Our frailty, he absorbs. It's a place where there is an action and a supernatural action between the two. You've heard me say it uh, in the past. You know, I like to drink tea and I like herbal tea. There's this one that is called peppermint tea. You know, peppermint or the mint tea, when you put it in water, they tell you, you must infuse it. If you really know, if you're a tea drinker, all right, even Lily Roybo's same thing. Well, you don't put it in, in hot water and drink immediately. No, 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 no. You put it inside the water and you let it rest there. You let it stay there because it, it stays in the presence, in the atmosphere of water. The water begins to penetrate the tea bag. And what happens, there's a chemical reaction that happens that is called infusion. So that what's in the tea bag comes out into the water. What's in the water gets into the tea bag. And there's an infusion that happens. There is a chemical reaction that happens. Paul says, when we wait upon the Lord, there's that time where there's that infusion between us and God. Paul says, we prayed for me through your prayers. There was that infusion of power and God released the abundant supply of the Holy Spirit. 
And I'm here to tell you, we will get there. We will reach the finish line. One day we will look back and talk about these days. But in the meantime, please don't give up. Even if you feel tired, please don't give up. Even if it feels like the end is not inside, wait upon the Lord. Spend time in prayer. Let the supply of the Holy Spirit be yours. If you are there lying in hospital, sick, and you look, this disease seems to be right there with you. It's almost like you're not going to go on living. You won't continue living. This is what I want to ask you. Please hold on. Don't give up. Hold on to the word of God because God did the continue praying for your children, for your neighbors, for your family members. Continue bringing them before the Lord as they are there right in hospital because God will release the supply of the Holy Spirit. Can I just pray with you now? If you want to receive Christ as Savior and Lord, can you just pray with you? I want to take this time to pray with you at home. Take this step this morning to accept Jesus Christ as personal Savior and Lord. He's the only one who can be able to change your life. Let us pray. Follow me in the prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you just as I am. I invite Jesus Christ to come into my heart to be the Savior and the Lord of my life. Thank you for hearing my prayer and for coming into my heart. In Jesus' name, amen.